And welcome to Mining Stock Daily. We have a corporate update today. We are joined by the CEO of Rio2 Limited, Mr. Alex Black. Rio2 trades on the Venture Exchange with RIO and also on the OTC market in the United States with the symbol RIOFF. Uh, Alex, you're joining us from Lima. I hope everything is well with you. It looks like the sun is shining, uh, but it looks like you're on lockdown for another couple of weeks, is so to hear. Yeah, no, we are. Um, we're, we've just been announced that we're on lockdown until May 11. That will be almost eight weeks, or pretty much eight weeks. Um, it's an interesting dynamic as everybody's experiencing all over the world, so nothing unique here. Um, just different, dealing with different demographics, and uh, and it's a challenge for 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 everybody. But the interesting thing, I don't know where you where are you right now, Trevor? At Denver. In Denver, I, you know, I'm sitting here in Lima, and the skies have never been bluer. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 we're supposed to be heading into winter, and it's just beautiful weather outside. Yeah. Twenty four twenty four degrees every day. I mean, it's just amazing. But anyway, I, I, I've seen wonderful pictures of like. There's no smog in LA because nobody's driving. They're, the wildlife, and uh, you know, in South Africa is actually starting to kind of come back into the streets and in some of the smaller towns. It's just, you know, without the hustle and the bustle and the activity, uh, the rest of the world kind of gets a reprieve from everything, right? Yeah, and and you know, we're in a city of 10 million people, so we're in a one of the largest cities in the world, and. Uh, you can imagine that when this place is on full swing, it's you know it is very polluted uh, from an air perspective. And right now, you know, I say to people, this must be what the Spanish saw 500 years ago when they first came to Peru <laughs> and decided to build Lima here, is because they saw no smog and, and no pollution. So they said, this is a good place to have a capital. Anyway. Yeah, there you go. Uh, well, Alex, the last time you and I chatted was way back in the fall during the Beaver Creek Precious Metals Summit, uh, practically immediately after following the the uh, the announcement of your pre-feasibility study. Uh, for people who are unfamiliar with uh, Rio2 and the project, uh, let's just give them a brief uh, recap of what it is. You are developing uh, the Phoenix Gold Project, which is located in the Atacama region of Chile. Uh, it is one of the largest undeveloped feasibility stage gold oxide project in North and South America. Uh, the project contains 5.2 million ounces of MNI gold, along with about a little over a half a million of inferred and uh, 3.7 million proven and probable ounces. So, uh, you know, it's for for a nice project. Uh, it it is pretty large scale, and uh, but the work hasn't stopped based on uh, you know being on lockdown with COVID. Uh, you've done a number of different things, including recently, I believe earlier last week, uh, you announced the environmental impact statement. Uh, give us an idea of why this was such a critical uh, file for you to uh, to get off the books for Phoenix, and and where do we go from here after that? Yeah, um, just to start off, uh, what I'd like to say is that we've got a fairly comprehensive uh, website, www.rio2.com, and at that website, uh, you can find our latest corporate presentation. Uh, you can f- see videos, um, see pictures. Um, and, and uh, see a lot of data in respect to the project. So yes, when we last met, it was uh, completion of the, the updated pre-feasibility study. In fact, our resource is a little bit different to the numbers you just quoted. You've quoted the old numbers, the current numbers are, are 5 million ounces of MNI. Hmm. 
uh, 1.8 million ounces in in a PMP in a reserve. Uh, we we did a much we came up with a much smaller project in our uh, updated PFS um, and constrained by a 1225 pitch shell. So um, you know when we were doing our our, our study work, uh, gold was still around 1250. We're not moving from that. We're, we're, we're using that in our presentation on our website. You'll see sensitivities related to uh, different metal prices. And obviously, we're very uh, sensitive to the metal price. We're bulletproof all the way down to $1,100 gold. This is not a project that's been dusted off because the gold price has gone up to $1,500. This is a project that will work at $1,100. Um, so um, I want to stress that, yes, um, the filing of the EIA um, was an important milestone for us. Obviously, with every project in the world, you have to do an environmental impact study um, and uh, you have to get authority from the uh, or approval from the authorities to build your project. Um, in that study, you talk about all the various aspects, flora, fauna, uh, environmental impact, etc., etc., and uh, it's a it's a study that gets observed by the authorities, and obviously they tend to ask lots of questions, um, ask you to fill in gaps if there are any gaps in your study, uh, focused on various aspects. So it's a big milestone for us. We filed that uh, on Friday. We announced it on Monday, and uh, uh, we are expecting, um, if it all goes to plan, to see approval for that EIA in. Q2 of next year. So it's about a 12 to 14 month process that we're anticipating. If that happens, uh, we will continue with the permitting because during the EIA uh, process, we start applying for permits and we finish applying for permits once the EIA is approved. And we're expecting that our construction permit will be awarded to us in about October of next year and that we'll be able to start construction on the project. So it's, it's a very important uh, 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 a, a milestone for us. What I'd also like to say is that we have the only full project EIA in front of the authorities in the Atacama region in Chile. Um, there is no other new project being evaluated at this time. That's a positive, I think. Also, our project is very simple because it's not a complex project of um, tailings and groundwater and things like that. Uh, our project has a different uh, uh, dynamic and much, much more simple than that. But what I, what I think is going to be interesting to see is how the authorities deal with our EIA from a processing perspective, because it is a desktop um, process, but this will be the first time an EIA is being evaluated um, virtually, mm -hmm. right, from people's homes. So all the various um, uh, analysts uh, and, and reviewers will be working from their home. Now, we don't know what the impact of that will be, particularly from the point of view of, you know, people working from home, having kids running around, having dogs running around, having relatives running around. Um, you know, that's that remains to be seen. So what we've done is we've been proactive on that. We've lobbied the Minister of Mines. I had a, 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 a video conference with him uh, only three weeks ago. We also talked to the head of the environmental group that will be assessing our EIA. Uh, that was only last week. And, and what, we, what we lobbied for was, you know, for them to provide all the 
necessary facilities and, and assistance to those who are going to be reviewing our EIA so that it can still happen in the normal course of time. So my only concern right now is time and how timely um, our EIA will be reviewed. I don't expect major issues. You know, we're, we're, we're working at 4,500 metres above sea level in an environment where, where, once again, people can see all these photos on our, on our webpage where there is nobody, where there is no animals, no fauna, no nothing. I mean, it's, it's just yeah. almost moonscape. So, you know, we don't expect anything to jump out at us, but we just are worried about the timing of everything. That's, that's, that's my main concern. It's just out of curiosity. I remember after the PFS was filed, a lot of the discussion was around your, the, the water, uh, you know, and it wasn't really an issue, but you, you have to ship in water. Uh, you, yeah, you know, okay. you're going to haul in water. That's a good point. And, and, and uh, so I'm just curious with this EIS. I mean, it's did, did that apply a little bit of a, a a different maneuver in the EIS? Because you're not necessarily having to deal with issues of water sources currently on the property. Is there exactly. any issues of bringing different water and, and adding it to that environment that didn't have water to get, to begin with? No. In fact, it simplifies the process because applying for for water rights and permitting water rights is a lengthy process in Chile. It's probably, you know, some anywhere between two and five years, depending on where you are and the complexity. So we've cut that out of the equation. Um, Bringing water up has simplified it. Uh, Obviously in the EIA, we talk about tracking water Mm -hmm. and, um, and, uh, and that we're buying that water from a water retreatment facility. The good thing is it's not drinking water. It's not potable water. It's actually uh, retreated sewerage, which has no other uh, useful uh, use apart from being dispersed into the environment by, by the water retreatment facility. So we're, we're consuming only 20 litres a second. I think they produce um, of retreated sewerage. They pre- produce more than 200 to 300 litres a second of um you know, water that they disperse into the environment. So we're taking 20 litres of that, a very small fraction of that, uh, and we're putting it into trucks and we're taking it up to the project. Now, those trucks are tankers, just like a fuel tanker. Um, Specific uh, uh, configuration is about 30 tonnes of water or 30 cubic metres of water. Um, There'll be a truck every 20 minutes leaving the, um, the facility. And so... It's not as though we're going to crowd the roads with trucks or anything like that. It's just very um, methodical um, Mm -hmm. sort of uh, transport of the water. Um, And it's something that's been done in the region before, uh, not not to our project, but to other other projects for for, for, um, temporary periods of time, and it's worked fine. So um, we have elaborated on that in the EIA. We've costed that in our PFS, so all the costs of taking water from Copiapo to our project is built into the cost. So there's not nothing hidden, nothing complex. It's just different, and it's how we get this project to construction and production in the quickest possible time frame. While we're doing that, and right now today, we are actually talking to um, other water. Uh, uh, providers who have water rights, permitted water rights closer to our project from the ground, etc., that we may tie into in the future. 
but we don't have to do that for the startup of the project. Okay. And when we do tie into other water rights, that'll enable this project to expand. Right now, we're basing our water 20 litres, 25 litres on um, uh, a 20,000 tonne a day throughput rate, but this project can be expanded from 20,000 tonnes to 80, 100,000 tonnes very quickly, um, depending on availability of more water. So okay. water, and, and, and you'll see in our presentation that we have on our website and, and, and anybody that, that wants to go through, through it with me, I can walk them through it. But there's a couple of slides there that explains the water situation in more detail. Okay. Uh, and, and this is mainly a naive question, but as the water comes to site and goes through that flow sheet process, how much of that water is left over, uh, you know, come to the end of it? And then how do you discharge of that? Well, the beautiful thing about gold heat bleach projects is you never get rid of the water. It just gets recycled in the process. Okay. So as, as you put water in into the process, it goes through the uh, absorption desorption process and it comes out and it goes back to the leach pad and it gets recharged with cyanide and it goes back into the leach pad and it comes through. So it's a, it's a, it's a never end, endless loop. Obviously water gets caught up in the leach pad because as it's uh, uh, circulating through the, through the pad, there's water that's captured there. Um, and, and therefore you have to replenish that water, you know, when we compare a project like ours, which is 100% gold heat bleach for the life of the project, to another project that will go, you know, crush, grind, mill, um, uh, float, and then tails, there's a lot more water in those processes than there is in a gold heat bleach project. Okay. The most our project will ever probably consume when we get to 80 or 100,000 tonnes a day will be about 100 litres a second. Um, which is significantly less than, than those more complex pro, uh, uh, processes, as I just mentioned. Yeah, thanks for the clarification. Please pardon my metallurgical naivety oh, no, that's when good. it comes to uh, That's why I'm here. <laughs> all, that's why I'm here. Thing. Explain these things. Um, you know, so, uh, Alex, I am a shareholder of the company, and one of the some of the news that was recently uh, released uh, was regarding uh, some optimizations with the uh, – you purchased some key infrastructure for the project. And I always love when I see – when I see news like this, not only with companies that I'm personally uh, invested in, uh, but just all around because it means people are getting creative with how they're trying to save money and continue to add value to their projects. Uh, but you did require some infrastructure. Um, just, uh, boy, that, what was this? This was last week. Uh, for, yeah, two uh, weeks ago. It was the two, week before the EIA release. Okay, yeah. okay two weeks ago, and you spent uh, $1.5 million dollars uh, that's uh, U.S. on this. What exactly? What, do, what can you give us a rundown of what you purchased and why this was this a, like a great opportunity for Rio Two in the Phoenix Gold Project? Okay, well, if if you know where we're located, um, you drive up the road from Copiapo, uh, you turn off to our project. At that turn off, there's a couple of things. There's this old processing plant which we bought, and then just a further down the road is the Lakoipa camp, which is Kinross's. And Lakoipa at the moment is on care of maintenance. So that's at an elevation of 3,200 metres. And then you drive to our project or to our mine site or project site 20 kilometres away, and, but that's a drive that takes you from 3,200 metres to 4,500, nearly, nearly 4,900 metres. So over 20 kilometres, you go up nearly a kilometre and a half. So 
we knew this existed and we've been using it. The previous owner, we, we were renting the camp for our drill campaign that we did early last year for various field work that we've done. We've, we've been renting the camp facilities. When we started renting the camp, camp facilities, we realised that, and, and, and talking to the owner, that that uh, infrastructure was surplus to their needs. So we started to talk to them and, um, and uh, it took a few months, but we finally uh, came to an agreement and, uh, and that's what we bought. Now, why did we buy? Certainly for the camp. That camp is currently a 250-man camp. We can utilise that and upgrade it for construction of our project. And you want the camp at those levels because obviously sleeping at 3,200 metres is better than sleeping at 4,500 metres. And so um, it's ideal from that perspective and it's only 20 kilometres away. So that's the first benefit is, is utilising the camp there. The second benefit is they are connected to the power grid, the power grid that goes from just outside Copiapo to uh, La Coipa um, passes through the, you know, the, the area that we bought. Um, and so we eventually, not to start the project, because to start the project, we are going to do that with diesel generators, but um, eventually we will connect to the grid and maybe in year two we'll use cash flow because we're going to have to build a spur line that's going to come with some capital, but we can fund that through cash flow and we'll do that and we'll do that in year two of, mm -hmm. of, of, of production or something like that. Then the third thing is that there's a small water bore at, at the site and that's permitted for five litres a second. Now, that is 20% our water requirements for our project. So all of a sudden, what you can see is we can cut the need to bring up water from, from Copiapo by about 20% and utilise water from the infrastructure. So a lot of people have asked me, well, okay, you've spent a million and a half bucks, what is that going to translate to? And what I can say without giving you a pinpoint number is it's going to save us tens of millions of dollars over the life of project in OPEX related to power and related to water and, 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 and other associated infrastructure. So, so it's not going to cut our CapEx down. We're not going to be able to use the plant. It's a 700 tonne a day plant. It's not suitable for what we're doing. It actually processed ore from underground mines in the area over over the last you know 10, 20 years. Those mines are now closed down. They're not they're not viable anymore. So it's not for the plant. It's actually for all the infrastructure related to the old plant. And um, and and yeah, we got it for a million and a half bucks, which was a which was a bargain. It's what they uh, call in move in ready in the real estate business. Exactly. <laughs> and, and also, and also it, it, it just demonstrates that we're serious. You know, we're going to build a mine at Phoenix. We're not, we're not kidding around. We're, we're going to do it. And, uh, and this is one way of demonstrating that we're serious. Uh, I want to ask you kind of an overarching question here, Alex, be, before we let you go, because time is uh, waning on us. But I want to get your ideas on where we are in this bull gold bull market i mean obviously we're seeing gold north of 1700 dollars on the futures basis uh, there's a lot of wind to its back right now um and your project is is, is fairly unique i mean it is a low-grade bulk tonnage project but uh in that type of scenario i mean you know why is this why 
you know, what what advantages do you have with a project like Phoenix, given the current status? I mean, you can even build on it like you did your base case study of what eleven hundred dollar gold or twelve hundred dollar gold. And so once this thing gets producing, I mean, you're going to be cash flowing pretty quickly if we continue to see gold as where we're seeing it now there starting October next year. Yeah, look, I mean, I think you asked me the question back in uh, September last year when we first met and uh, gold was just starting its run uh, from the average of 1250, which it had averaged for the previous six years. Um, you know, look, I'm a, I'm a mining engineer. I'm not an economist, um, but obviously the setup right now with everything that's going on in the world with COVID-19 and all the fiscal stimulation that's going on is that gold is highly unlikely to return back to the, the average of 1250 that we saw for the previous six years. Where is it going to go? I got no idea. All I can say is my, you know, our project at Phoenix is bulletproof down to $1,100 gold. And yes, at 15, 16, 17 or wherever it's going to go, who knows where, we're going to be printing money. And yes, we will be reinvesting that money and expanding this project because ultimately this project can produce at somewhere between 200 and 300,000 ounces a year. It's a significant project. At $1,500 gold, we've got 5 million ounces sitting in the ground. So um, that's where we're headed. One thing I've included in our presentation before I go is a comparison between us and two existing mines in the world that are very similar to ours. And those two mines are Marigold, that belongs to Silver Standard in Nevada, and Mesquite, which belongs to Equinox in California. Take your time, go and have a look at that presentation, and you see how favorably we compare to those two projects. Now, Marigold carries a value of about a billion and a half bucks for um, Silver Standard because it accounts for half of their production and they're a three billion dollar company. And for Equinox, Mesquite is a big contributor to, to their gold production right now and probably will be into the future. Very similar projects. And we've got one of those except bigger, longer life in Chile. And we're going to be in construction towards the uh, end of next year. So watch the space. And obviously, we'll be talking more as things advance with the project. But I appreciate you giving me the time to explain this. But a lot of information exists at our website. I also am very uh, available to 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 anybody. My email address is alex.black at rio2.com. Very simple. I always answer my emails if anybody's got any questions, want to walk through any aspect of our project. All right, Alex. We are internet's cutting out a little bit, so it's probably a good time to uh, oh, <laughs> to to wrap it up a little to wrap it up today. But I appreciate your time, and uh, you are right. You always make yourself available to answer any questions. You're also active on Twitter, so you can find yeah. yourself there. And <laughs> you I have fun. <laughs> you have a little fun on Twitter from time to time as well, as as all the mining fintwit does. <laughs> yes, yes. So, Alex, thank you so much. Take care of yourself. Trevor, uh, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, that's Alex Black. He is the CEO of uh, Rio2 Limited, which is developing the Phoenix Gold Project in Chile. The company trades on the Toronto Venture Exchange with RIO and also on the OTC markets in the U.S. with RIOFF. <laughs>